Well, hello and welcome to the CSF monthly podcast for September 2020. Well, with the continuation of the current COVID uh, pandemic, this podcast is really aiming to keep you vigilant with the latest update in the, the field of rheumatology and what are otherwise really very difficult and challenging times, an ominous appearance to the winter in the Northern Hemisphere and the summer in the Southern Hemisphere ahead of us. So let's think a little bit about rheumatology and some of the really fantastic stuff that's going on there. And today I'm going to review two papers which explore the incidence of infection in people treated with baricitinib and the cardiovascular risks associated with tofacitinib use in rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis. Now remember to access detailed summary slides of the papers discussed, please go to cytokinesignaling.com. It's a great resource. Uh, if you've been there already, you know that's true. And if you haven't, go and have a look. It really is a, a terrific place to find slides, updates, brief summaries and opinion. Well, the first paper is uh, from uh, Kevin Winthrop and his colleagues and it evaluates the incidence of infection in people with active rheumatoid arthritis treated with baricitinib, which is an oral selective JAK1 and JAK2 inhibitor. Uh, baricitinib demonstrated significant efficacy in phase three rheumatoid arthritis trials and pool data from these trials, including a long-term extension, suggest and inform the safety profile for baricitinib. Uh, the objective of this paper was to further evaluate overall infection risk with baricitinib, the particular focus on serious infection, tuberculosis, herpes zoster, and opportunistic infections. Uh, the infections are summarized from an integrated database, uh, eight phase three and phase two and one B clinical trials and one long-term extension. The all barri analysis set included patients who received any baricitinib dose. Placebo comparison was based on six studies with four milligrams and placebo to week 24, including four trials also with two milligrams. Dose response assessment was based on four studies with two milligrams and four milligrams, including long-term extension data, the two to four milligram extended set. Uh, note that patients randomized to two milligrams and not rescued in the originating study continued in two milligrams in the long-term extension and all others received four milligrams. Well, what are the key results? Well, there were increased rates of treatment emergent infections, including uh, herpes zoster. Um, they were observed in patients with rheumatoid arthritis treated with baricitinib, like that observed, I have to say, with, with other JAK inhibitors. Uh, the instance of serious infection did not increase with baricitinib versus placebo in the 24-week randomized period, uh, was similar to that reported in other recent targeted synthetic DMARD and biologic DMARD development programs with both short and long-term data. Uh, there were 11 cases of tuberculosis reported within the baricitinib program, all occurred with four milligrams and uh, in endemic regions. Opportunistic infections, including multidermatomal herpes zoster, were infrequent overall. Well, what do we conclude? Well, in summary, baricitinib treatment was associated with an increased rate of treatment emergent infections in people with rheumatoid arthritis as compared with placebo. The incidence of serious infection was similar to that reported in other recent targeted synthetic DMARD and biologic programs. Uh, herpes zoster risk was elevated with baricitinib treatment and again, like other JAK inhibitors, was more common amongst Asian patients. Uh, other uh, events of interest uh, including multidermatomal herpes zoster were infrequent and tuberculosis was reported as we probably would have expected in uh, appropriate endemic areas. Uh, Long-term population-based studies are necessary to, to better understand this in the real world and of course we have a large number of registries in different parts of the world that will inform this necessity. 
Now let me turn to a second paper coming from Philip Mies and colleagues investigating the incidence of venous and arterial thromboembolic events in tofacitinib for rheumatoid arthritis patients whilst considering previous cardiovascular risk factors. Now inflammation is a risk for VTA including DVT and pulmonary embolus and ATE. Uh, labeling of JAK inhibitors includes warnings uh, for uh, thrombosis and there's an ongoing post-authorization study evaluating risks in people with increased cardiovascular risk factors. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis patients aged more than or equal to 50 and with more than one cardiovascular risk factor. Uh, and that's evaluating tofacitinib 5 milligrams and 10 milligrams BID as opposed to a TNF inhibitor. Uh, the DSMB in February 2019 uh, reported higher incidence of PAE events and all-cause mortality in patients treated with tofacitinib 10 milligrams BID versus TNFI. Uh, the, the current uh, study considers data from this study A3921133 and the development program for RA psoriasis and PSA patients overall and both clinical and observational and marketing data were considered. The um, Key results then, well, patient demographics, baseline characteristics were balanced across treatment arms. Uh, tofacitinib uh, data were reported for five milligrams BID in RA and PSA and 10 milligrams BID in RA and PSA. Now in RA and PSA, the VTE and ATE event uh, incidence rates were similar between tofacitinib and placebo up to three months. Uh, tofacitinib, adalimumab and methotrexate in the RA group up to 24 months and the PSA group up to 12 months and in tofacitinib 5 milligrams and 10 milligrams BID. In both RA and PSA the incidence rates of VTE and ATA were generally higher in patients with a baseline cardiovascular or VTE risk factor versus patients without exactly as we would expect. Um, PE IRs with tofacitinib 10 milligrams BID uh, were reportedly higher in study A3921133 than overall tofacitinib program for patients with a baseline cardiovascular risk factor. And the most common baseline risk factors in RA patients were CRP greater than 2.87 mg per litre, hypertension, being aged more than or equal to 60, and uh, use of corticosteroids in, on day one. Well, again, concluding, it looks uh, like DVT, PE and ATE uh, IRs are shown to be higher in patients with cardiovascular or VTA risk factors versus those without. IRs were consistent in this study across tofacitinib 5 milligrams and 10 milligram BID program, programs in the RA and PSA development groups. Observational data um, is comparable to the tofacitinib development program analyses with consistent IRs and cardiovascular risk factor enriched patients. However, PE IRs with tofacitinib 10 milligrams BID uh, were reportedly higher for patients with a baseline cardiovascular risk factor. This remains a really controversial area. I think we need to just look for more and more data uh, until such times as the these data are available to us, we should proceed with caution and of course always pay close attention to the uh, label indications that we govern us as, as, as practitioners. So that's what we've got for you this month. To view other publications, uh, head over to the, the publications page in cytokinesignaling.com. Uh, you'll find slides reviewing the instance of interstitial lung disease using tofacitinib in RA and the potential prognostic value of anti-CARB-V and anti-MCV autoantibodies in RA treatment. As always, it's a, a real pleasure to have you joining me for this podcast. I hope you find it useful. I hope it's helpful to you in guiding your clinical practice. And above all else, I hope that you're staying 
healthy and positive in these very interesting and somewhat challenging COVID times. Looking forward to talking to you again in the next podcast. In the meantime, thanks very much indeed. Thank you.